Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Hey, Uncommon Church, I'm here in Jerusalem in the old city, and I'm gonna explain all of this in a minute. It is Sunday afternoon here, early Sunday morning, your time. We're shooting this uh, with Josie's brother, and I'm gonna explain everything that's going on in just a minute, um, which, because it's gonna lead into what I wanna talk about today. Before we do that, Tomorrow or Tuesday, it seems like the U.S. Supreme Court is going to drop some kind of information on Roe v. Wade. They might even overturn it and kick it back down to the states. I just want to let you know how we as a church are going to respond. I know we look pretty new school on the outside, but on the inside, we're kind of old school um, Protestant believers. We believe the Bible to be true. We believe that life begins at conception. We believe that pro-choice is you choose to have sex or don't have sex, but once you have had sex and conceived a child, then that child needs to be brought to term. Um, That being said, we will not put fuel on the fire of division in our country, in our own community, on social media, and I'm asking you to do the same. We have many women that Josie and I have counseled with in our own church family that have had abortions and um, most of which we've talked to, they all really mourn that decision. So there is so much deep-seated emotion woven in to the decisions that are being made right now that I do not want our church to jump on social media and create more division in our community. I need you to have grace. I need you to have compassion. I need you to have wisdom. And I need you to demonstrate the love of the Father no matter what happens this week. That being said, we are a a pro-life community. Um, We have literally um, five or six couples off the top of my head. I'd be willing to bet if we needed to, a couple of dozen couples that would be willing to adopt children. So if, if this thing turns into a deal where many children in America need to fairly quickly be open to adoption, I'd like you to pray, uh, you and your spouse, about potentially opening your home and your hearts to adopting a child in the next few months, few years. It all depends on how things shake down. All right. That's the old city of Jerusalem. I'm outside in the wind, in the sun, with very little time. If this shoot doesn't work, I'm going to be FaceTiming you live here in just a few minutes. Um, We bought tickets to Israel in 2019 because Uncommon Church was hosting a tour of Israel in, I want to say it was going to be March of 2020. I'm not sure if you know what happened in March of 2020, but we had to postpone those tickets and we kept pushing those tickets further and further back until eventually we just had to cancel the tour. Um, We couldn't refund the tickets because they were with American. So we just gave people their credit on American. And I've kind of been keeping my eye on that credit and the the credit was going to expire sometime this year, later this year. So Josie and I were talking about coming over. Now, if you're visiting Uncommon Church this morning, hi, uh, I'm Brad Kerrigan, my wife Josie, we're we're your new pastors. Welcome to the family. Uh, Josie's family has lived here in Israel for more than 25 years. Uh, After Bible college, Josie and I, we moved here to Israel and we lived here for almost five years, um, ministering and working here in the land. And we've been leading tours back and forth to the land for, oh gosh, for more than 20 years. So um, it was a shame to cancel that tour. So when these tickets were going to expire, we thought, well, babe, let's just go in August. And the tickets were like, a bazillion dollars. Tourism is back in Israel with a vengeance. They're trying to make up for two years of lost revenue. All right, July, too expensive. June, too expensive. What if we go like next week in May? 
and the, the timing was awful for everybody. But we basically, on a, on a week's notice, had to cash in our, our chips and, and use up our American credit to come here to Israel. Josie's parents have been living here in Jerusalem for many years. Um, Josie's brother, John, who's behind the camera. Thank you, John, for your help this afternoon. And then Josie's sister, Johanna, and her husband, uh, Doron, he's Israeli. John's wife, Sophia, I forgot to mention. They've all lived here and ministered in Jerusalem. We've shared with you privately not on live stream some of the work that they do and it's it's wonderful powerful work they're one of the biggest ministries they're, they're the biggest ministry that we support uh here in israel and um they're moving they bought a large compound which makes it sound like some sort of weird cult thing um it's a large house with three separate apartment houses on the property plus some land plus like a what could easily be envisioned as like a meeting space uh, for the future. Um, about 45 minutes outside of Jerusalem in the suburbs, up in the mountains of Judea. And um, they'll be moving like later this week, early next week. And Josie's mom was like, you can come last minute, but we're packing. Like we're up to our ears in boxes and packing and taking shelves off the wall and all that. It was the only time to come, so we came. It seemed weird, but here we came. Uh, the first night we got here, after flying all night, uh, Josie's sister's oldest daughter, who's 10 years old, was having some real health trouble. And um, we volunteered because we were already awake. We'll go with Johanna, with Josie's sister to the hospital. We spent the whole night in the hospital. She got blood tests and all these great tests that she needed to get done. And then she was released in the five o'clock in the morning. And then we were able to give all that information to the local doctor in their town. So she's actually getting the care that she needs. She's doing much better. Um, I began working on the house. If you can even believe it, with all the remodel that we have going at the church, I began helping with the remodel on their new property because it, it's, oh, it was, it's, it's in desperate need of remodel. It's pretty gross and moldy and tearing all the walls and floors out so the contractors can dry it out and lay new floors and get the mold out of there. Anyway, uh, so I began demoing and, and gutting. Josie was here at the apartment for her mom helping her to pack. And, and then Josie's mom started to get sick on Monday night. She started vomiting uh, all day Tuesday. We assumed she had picked up the stomach flu that was going through the United States last week. Um, Wednesday, she was awful. And this is, I mean, she's not an elderly person, but she's 71. So it was just hard on her body. Um, this was going into the Wednesday, Thursday. She wasn't any better. She was much worse. She was um, very lethargic. She wasn't um, clear in the head at all. Um, she, she was doing quite poorly. So we made the decision to go ahead and call an ambulance Thursday afternoon, took her to the hospital. Make a long story short, um, she was getting better on fluids and some um, antibiotics and things like that. So they released her. Uh, she came home, took a nap, and then Thursday night, she crashed. Um, all of her numbers and her fever was super high. Her blood pressure was super low. Her pulse was super high. Um, her oxygen was super low. She was, I don't know, I'm not trying to make a scare thing, but um, I, I don't know that she would have survived the night. Her body was crashing. So um, Josie's brother, John, and I literally picked her up against her will, but she wasn't thinking straight, carried her to the car, Josie's dad, we raced back to the hospital um, and, and, and they went ahead and admitted her. Um, it's now Sunday afternoon, she's, she's still there. Um, it took them many days. In fact, this morning, we finally think they've got a good diagnosis. Somehow, 
Harriet picked up a very unusual virus, um, and uh, it was it, it, it could have killed her. Uh, but thank God for uh, the Lord's help and for the care of the hospital here. Um, maybe one or two more days in the hospital, and she'll be good to come home and recover at home. Um, so Josie and I were supposed to come home on Friday and be with you guys right now, but. Um, there was no way we could leave. Um, Josie, uh, her brother has five kids. Uh, her sister's got three kids and now they live an hour away. Uh, it just wasn't possible for everybody to come. Uh, at Israeli hospitals, I know it's a first world nation, but it's also the Middle East. So the hospitals are, they're just different. And you need to have a member of the family there 24 seven to kind of help you, to kind of nurse you, to kind of uh, fight for you, if you will, because it's a very socialist healthcare system. So somebody's got to be putting your needs at the front. So Josie and myself and the other family members, we've been taking turns day and night for the last three days uh, caring uh, for Josie's mom. Uh, thank God she's sitting up today. Uh, she's eating on her own today. Um, she, she's just doing, she's thinking straight today, just all in the last few hours. I just came from the hospital to film this and she wanted me to tell Uncommon Shirts, thank you for praying and thank you for allowing Josie and I to stay extra. Um, we always tell our staff and other pastors that we coach, your, your family comes before your ministry. Your family's there forever. Ministries, you know, people come and go and uh, people, you go to different churches and you have to take care of your family first, your marriage, your kids, and in this case, uh, your, your, your extended family. So we made the decision to extend our trip. It was very difficult for us because we love you. We love the staff. We didn't want to put that burden on everybody, but we, we, we just had to make this decision. So thank you for your grace. I say all that to say I want to get into the word this morning. Holy wind gust. <laughs> and um, I, I'm going to do a message that I've done before, but I don't know, with the old city of Jerusalem in the background, this, this is Mount Zion. This is, I'm going to talk about all that in a few minutes. This is where the world, you know, has been looking for thousands of years as the center of everything. And I'm gonna to explain to you why Israel is such a big deal, why the Jewish people are such a big deal. So um, I, because we're kind of winging this, you guys know me, I've been using a teleprompter for so many years that for me to use an iPad for notes, it's gonna be a bit of a struggle. And then it's the Middle East and I'm in the middle of the burning sun and I gotta take my glasses off because I gotta put on my old man glasses because uh, I can't even read the teleprompter on giant font. So anyway, can we get into the Word this morning? You're going to need to take notes on your phone. I'm going to give you some homework um, that I'm going to need you to, to go back and, and read some of these verses. And I want you to put them into context. Um, don't just take a verse and, and, and let a preacher hang their hat on it. I want you to learn to take notes and then go back and study those verses and, and put them into to context. Um, right now, you're sitting in our church building. If you're watching online, you're sitting at, at your home. That was, I, I'm sure, it, it was built on a concrete foundation. Um, and during the remodel, you know, because we don't have the new carpet in, you can literally see the foundation under your feet. Just imagine if that foundation of your home or of the church wasn't there. The, the steel pillars, the steel beams above you, none of that would matter because the whole thing would fall over. Everything that's built needs a strong foundation. The Jewish people, the nation of Israel, are the, the foundation for what we believe uh, as followers of Jesus. I'm going to get into all this, but you just need to understand the significance, the importance of the foundation. If you were to even take a paper Bible, which I know like sounds such a crazy thing to have a paper Bible, let's just assume that this was the Bible. 
this much of it, two-thirds of your Bible, would be the, the Old Testament story of the Jewish people from, from the creation in Genesis, all through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the kings, the prophets. Um, two-thirds of your Bible is the story and history of the Jewish people. The last one-third is also the story of the Jewish people and the Messiah, Jesus, that came. And then, oh, by the way, there's a couple little books in here in the end where the Gentiles in the Mediterranean world got to be Jesus' followers also. We're going to talk about that foundation and what that's all about. I think I taught about the story of Ruth a couple of months ago. And in, oh, I'm not going to recap it, but I, I'm just going to reread to you that story where there was a, a Jewish woman and her husband, they, they moved away and the husband died. There was a famine in Israel. And then um, she was going to move back um, with her two daughters-in-law because her sons also died. And uh, Naomi was the mom, and she said to the two girls, hey, you guys stay here in Moab. You go back to your pagan Gentile world. I'm a Jew. I'm going to go back to Israel. And the one daughter-in-law was like, see ya. Uh, but the second daughter-in-law, Ruth, um, well, let me just read the story for you. It's in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 14. Again, they wept together. This is Naomi and the two girls. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and said, see ya. But Ruth, and this is where you and I come in, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Verse 15, look, Naomi said, your younger sister-in-law, she has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. This is our response. This is the Gentile church's response to the nation of Israel in verse 16. Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Listen to this church, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I'm going to be buried. May the Lord punish me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death causes us to be separated. So God's plan for the ages has always been through the Jewish people, through the nation of Israel. Uh, the promise goes all the way back to Genesis. The, the very word, the term Israel, is used in Scripture 2,646 times. The word church is only in there a, a couple of hundred times, 148 times. So um, it, the whole focus from Genesis to Revelation is the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. So let me just get real practical. What is a Jew? What are the Jewish people? What does that even mean? Um, it all goes back to a guy named Abraham. Um, well, I don't really have time to recap, but I think most of you know the story. Genesis chapter one, two, three, God creates Adam and Eve. He's walking with them. He's having intimate relationship, personal, uh, you know, fellowship with Adam and Eve, um, but they sinned. They sinned against God. It, it creates that, that division, that separation between God and man. So the, the rescue plan for mankind had to come through one person. Sin came through a person, so the rescue plan had to come through a person. So God picks Abraham. It was really not too far from here, just a couple hundred miles that way. And uh, he, there's this guy named Abram and he picks him out of the crowd and he says, Abe, between you and your son and your grandson and, and, and your 12 great, great grandsons, we're going to create a whole new nation, the nation of Israel. We don't have time to get into it, but I also remind you that at the time, Abraham had no children and he was barren. So uh, it's just really important to remember that God, even from the very creation of the nation of Israel, was doing a miracle in birthing these people. So speaking of be these people, the Lord refers to the Jewish people as my people 200 times in scripture. When God says something 200 times, we should pay attention. So, um, and, and all through what God began to speak to Abraham, it said, through you and, and your future generation, I'm gonna bless your family, but I'm also gonna bless the whole world. So that's where you and I come in. 
although I personally and most all of you are not blood descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel, we are the whole rest of the world that is blessed. And God said to Abraham, whoever blesses your family, whoever blesses the nation of Israel, they'll be blessed. But whoever curses the nation of Israel, they'll be cursed. So I don't know about you, I want to be standing under the spout where God's blessings come out. And a lot of that has to do with how we stand for and support and bless the nation of Israel. And a school bus just got unloaded with about 150 to 200 Israeli school children. So I'm going to stop the video right now because I don't want to offend them with this message. And we're going to see what happens. So I'll be right back. All right, that was actually really fun. There was about 150, um, I don't know, eighth, ninth grade school girls that were on just a, they're probably not from Jerusalem, probably from another part, city uh, around Israel, and they're on a, a field trip. And their teacher was teaching them about the old city of Jerusalem, and they all surrounded me and thought I was some news reporter and were practicing their English, and we had a good time. And anyway, the girls are down the road and learning about the next thing. So let's get right back into the message. Um, I don't know exactly what I was saying. I wasn't really paying attention to myself, but I know that in my notes, I said the Lord referred to the Jewish people as his people 200 times in scripture. So we need to pay attention to that. The prophets, Isaiah, Micah, Daniel, they were all pointing to a savior, a Messiah coming that would save not just the Jewish people, but all the people around the world. So here's where God picks Abraham and says in uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 17, I'm going to bless you, Abe. I'm going to multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky, like the sand in the seashore. Your descendants are going to conquer cities and their enemies. Verse 18, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you obey me. Eventually, Jesus becomes that blessing that blesses his blesses. Now I'm making up words. I haven't slept a lot the whole couple last few nights. Josie and I have been taking turns on the overnight shifts and I don't know, three hours of sleep. I didn't at, at 47 years old, three hours is absolute bare minimum to keep me standing up. Uh, but last night I got six and a half or seven. So I, I don't know why I said blesses is Jesus is the blessing for the whole world. Um, so let's fast forward because I know there's a lot more to talk about and I've even written a few more notes, but I'm going to do a little scrolling. The gospel message about Jesus for the whole wide world, it came through the Jewish people and it came first to the Jewish people. Paul wrote this to the church in Rome, Romans chapter one and verse 16. This is what I mean about context. I'm gonna read you a verse that you know, but you probably don't know the context. Romans chapter one and verse 16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the good news about Jesus Christ. I love that verse. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone that believes. The gospel of Jesus will save everyone that believes. Keep reading. First for the Jew and also for the Gentile. The very message of salvation was created first for the Jewish people and then the good news was shared to the whole wide world. So some people would ask, whoa, whoa, I didn't, I didn't, even, I didn't even know that. Is salvation only for Jewish people? Uh, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24, Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, notice that Jesus was not like the apostle Paul. Jesus did not get on a boat and go into the Roman and Greek world and talk to the Gentiles. Jesus was sent only to the Jewish people. So you might go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the second time you've whoa, whoa, whoa in one minute. Is the gospel message only for the Jewish people? At first, yes. 
the, the first church was Jewish. Jesus and the disciples, they were Jews. They were good Jews. They literally came here to Jerusalem several times a year to, to worship. Uh, we just had Passover a few weeks ago. That was right here. They would come and, and celebrate the feasts here. Jesus was dedicated as a baby here at the temple. Uh, all of the, basically every single person that you've ever read a story about in the Bible that was Jewish, came to this mountain to worship God at some point in their life. So the beginning of the, 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 the gospel, the beginning of the church was all Jewish. So the, the very nature is, is that God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and that message is going to go to all people. And that's why Jesus came and he said, even, even when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, I only want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the very first church was only Jewish. So when you read your Bible, Please don't read it with a Gentile mentality. Please don't read it with a Texas or an American mentality. I need you to read your Bible through the eyes of an ancient Jewish person, including the New Testament. Even as, as Paul was taking the message about Jesus to the Gentile world, he was a Jew. And um, he was having to walk a very fine line between the, the Jewish people living in the Mediterranean Gentile world, but that those that were putting their faith in Jesus, along with his discipleship of the Gentiles that were putting their faith in Jesus. In a lot of ways, it was as if Gentiles were believing in a Jewish thing. We see that very clearly. I, I need you to, here's the first bit of homework. I want you to read um, Acts chapter 9 and 10, but in specifically in Acts chapter 10, Peter um, goes to a town on the coast, oh, about that way, about an hour. And the Lord speaks to him and says, Peter, I, I know we got a good thing going with all the Jewish people, but I really need this message to get to the Gentiles. And tomorrow I want you to go up to a, a super Gentile Roman city called Caesarea, right on the coast. And I want you to talk to a guy named Cornelius, kind of a, a, a mid-level, uh, successful, powerful Roman military guy. And he's going to have his whole household there. I need you to tell this Roman Gentile family about Jesus. And Peter's like, bro, God. Actually, he would never do that for fear of being struck down by lightning. I would, I'm not going to the Gentiles. I'm a good Jew. And Jesus, uh, the Lord said to him, trust me, this thing is for everybody. The next day, Paul, uh, Peter goes and he tells Cornelius and the whole family about Jesus. They all repent of their sin, make Jesus the Lord of their life. They, they even, Peter prays for them. He lays his hands on them that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they're all praying in other tongues and, and operating in the gifts of the Spirit and prophesying. And it was that sign the fact that they got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to pray in other tongues, it was that sign that's recorded in Acts chapter 10 as the sign to the Jewish leaders of the church that lived here in Jerusalem that the gospel is for the whole wide world. Uh, please read uh, 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 Acts chapter 10. That's your homework right there. So when we as Gentiles put our faith in Jesus, we get adopted into the family of God, but we also get adopted into the family of the Jewish people. Uh, Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia, also a Gentile church. He said, now that you belong to Christ, this is uh, chapter three, verse 29, you are now true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promises to Abraham now belong to you. So all of God's promises, remember how I talked about the two thirds of your Bible that is God's word to the, the ancient Jewish people, all of those promises you are now adopted into. Um, the, the significance of this mountain, the significance of this city, the significance of this land, you now are adopted into the, 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 the importance of that. And what, what happened up until that point, the whole wide world in the Old Testament was revolving around the Jewish people 
and then everybody else was the world, the nations, the Gentiles, right? God created a new thing. Paul was trying to explain it to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesus chapter 2, he was explaining that God created a new way to be human. Let me just read it for you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, um, your homework is to read 11 through 20. I'm going to read you verse 14. Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one person. When he in his own body on the cross broke down the wall of hostility that separates us, Jesus created one new man, not a Gentile person, not a Jew person, a Jesus person, somebody who has repented of their sin and surrendered their life to Jesus. So in the Lord Jesus, we have been created one new man. But I want to talk about the importance, not of the new man, not of the Gentile man, but of the Jewish people. Here's, here's a big homework assignment for you. I need you to read Romans 9, 10, and 11. You have to put yourself in, in the perspective. The Apostle Paul, a religious Jew, is writing to the church in Rome, which is predominantly uh, Gentiles. But he was trying to explain to these Gentiles the, the importance of the Jewish people, both to the Lord and to Paul himself. We all, I mean, Paul is, is the apostle to the nations, and we have most of the New Testament because of the Apostle Paul. We wouldn't be saved probably, and we certainly wouldn't be discipled uh, if it weren't for the message that he started by taking to the Gentile nations, and then it spread all the way to Euless, Texas. But listen to what the Apostle Paul said. It's, it's a big, long portion of Scripture. I'm going to read the whole thing fairly quickly. It's in Romans chapter 9. Paul said, My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Paul said, I am willing to forever be cursed and to be cut off from Christ if it means it would save them. Paul was basically saying, I'm willing to go to hell if it meant that the Jewish people would see Jesus as Messiah. They, the Jewish people, they are the people of Israel. They were chosen by God as his adopted children. God revealed his glory to them right here on this mountain. He made covenants with them. He gave them the law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him right here on this mountain. And he gave them all the wonderful promises of the scriptures. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as the human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything. He is worthy of our eternal praise. Amen. So sometimes if you're hearing this for the first time or the first time in a long time, this message can almost seem offensive. If God's so important to Jewish people. What, what, where, where does little old Gentile me fit into all that? Uh, they're so special and I'm not special? Well, we, first of all, we know from John 3.16 that God loved the whole world so much that he gave up his one and only son. And you and I are a part of the whole world. You and I are so dearly loved by God that he was willing to allow Jesus to come and to lay down his life for us. But look at what Paul says in the next chapter, Romans chapter 10, verse 12. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect, talking about salvation. They have the same Lord, and he gives generously to all who call on him. In verse 13, and this is what I'm talking about context, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every Jew that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus, every Gentile that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Now, I want to talk about the fact of 
the analogy that Paul uses about an olive tree, which is very common here in the Middle East, especially here in Israel, and that we that are Gentiles have joined that tree. It's a long portion of scripture. Paul says it better than I do. I'm just going to read it fairly quickly. This is a part of your homework in Romans 9, 10, and 11. This is 11, 11. Did God's people, the Jewish people, stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. Yes, they were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. God wanted the Jewish people to see the message about the Messiah go into the Gentile world and then make the Jewish people jealous of the relationship that we have with God as Father. You gotta ask yourself, is your Christian faith one that would make a religious Jew jealous? I could talk more about that later, verse 12. If the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think about how much greater a blessing the world is going to share when they finally accept it. Verse 13, I'm saying all this especially to you Gentiles. God has appointed me, the Apostle Paul, as an apostle to the Gentiles, so I'm stressing this. So listen carefully to verse 14. I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous for what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance is going to be even more wonderful. When they, the religious Jews, accept Jesus, man, it's going to be so good for the whole wide world, including you and I. That's why it's so important we stand with and pray for the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Because their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance is going to be even more wonderful. It's going to be life from the dead. Verse 16, since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants are also to be holy. Just as the entire batch of dough is made holy, the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the root of the tree is holy, the branches will be holy also. Please remember that analogy. Verse 17, some of these branches from Abraham's tree, the tree from Abraham, the tree of the Jewish people, some of the people of Israel have been broken off of that tree. And you Gentiles in the mid-cities of DFW, you were branches of a wild olive tree, but you have been grafted in to this tree. So now you also receive the same blessing that God promised Abraham and his children. You share in the rich nourishment that comes from the root of God's special olive tree, but you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You're just a branch. This is the root. Well, you might say that those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. But fear, so don't think so highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he's not going to spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those that disobey, but he is kind towards you that trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel will turn from their unbelief, and that's our prayer, is that the people of Israel will turn from their unbelief and open their eyes to see Jesus as Messiah, God has the power to graft them back into their tree. 
You by nature were a branch that was cut from the wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back to where they belong. So you might say, wait, the Jewish people, especially the religious Jews, they study the Bible, they memorize the Torah, the, the first five books of the Bible, they, they, they eat kosher, they keep the Sabbath, they, they're mindful of the things of God 24-7. How can they not see that Jesus was Messiah? Those of you that grew up in the church, you kind of always knew church, but for those of you that you put your faith in Jesus as a teenager, as a college student, as an adult, some of you have gotten saved here in just the last couple of weeks. And it was as if you were in the darkness and then all the lights came on and you're like, whoa, Jesus is real and he loves me and he died for me on the cross. And, and, and you surrender your life to him and you receive him as your savior. You, you repent of your sin and he, 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 the Bible says you're born again. Your eyes are open and you're like, I didn't see it before, but I see it now. The Bible says, Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, even today when they, the Jewish people, are reading Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with a veil. It's like a blindfold. They do not see, they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. That's our prayer. Our prayer is that the Lord would reveal himself to the Jewish people, that as they're going through the, the, the Old Testament law, especially when they get into the prophets who are talking about the Messiah to come, and somebody sees the thing about Bethlehem, and somebody sees the thing about a virgin birth, and somebody sees the thing about the baby, the Messiah, going down into Egypt, and then coming back to the land of Israel, and then living in the north of Israel in the Galilee, you might be like, oh my goodness, this sounds like... Christianity, and then they begin to study their Bible and realize Jesus was Jewish. I, and they might realize, I think our forefathers missed it. The rabbis might go, man, I, I think Jesus was the Messiah and we missed it for 2000 years. Now that would be extremely difficult for them to, to surrender their lives, but I'm telling you, it's starting to happen. It's very discreet and very quiet, but there are rabbis that are studying the scriptures and for some, just a few, the veil is starting to be removed and they're starting to see Jesus as Messiah. Let me continue a couple of more verses from Romans chapter 11. Um, Romans chapter 11, verse 25. I want you to understand this mystery so that you don't feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this is only gonna last until the full number of the Gentiles comes to Christ, and then all Israel will be saved. All Israel will be saved. All Israel will be saved. I, I need you to see how important that is. So does your faith in, in Jesus, does your relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is it so sincere? Is it so well-educated? Is it so holy? Is it so passionate that your faith, your devotion to God would make a religious Jew that spends time here in the old city studying the scriptures and going down to the, the Kotel, the, the Western Wall, which is the, the old um, wall of where the temple stood 2,000 years ago, would your faith make one of these Jews jealous? That's what Paul's saying we should do. So your, your question might be, man, is there any way that God's going to open their eyes to see Jesus as Messiah? It's going to come through us loving them, standing with them, praying for them, supporting them, blessing the nation of Israel. I, I, I want to close. I'm closing. Um, worship team, if you guys want to wander your way up to the stage, we're going to worship here in just a minute. 
what is so important about this city? What is so important about this ancient city? This, this ancient city, this is the Temple Mount. Uh, uh, just beyond, I guess, I, I can't see what you can see, but just beyond that hill right there is the Al-Aqsa Mosque. That's that, 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 that Muslim mosque that has the golden dome on top. And then the, the, the one next to it is actually the Al-Aqsa Mosque that has that charcoal black um, dome. There's two mosques up there. That is where our temple stood. This, this mountain right here, this, this is where Abraham brought Isaac to be sacrificed and where God provided a ram stuck in the thicket, that there was a, a lamb to be slain so that Isaac might live. This mountain right here is the one that, that David fought the Jebusites for and then he ended up buying all of this for, I wrote it in my notes, that was, I think it equivalented to about, equivalented, I'm making up words again, I should get more sleep to about 15 pounds of gold, King David bought and owned all of this. And the Lord said that David couldn't build that first temple, but that his son Solomon, this, the third king of Israel, King Solomon built the first glorious temple and God honored that temple. And the, the Holy Spirit, the presence, the glory of God rested right here on this mountain. Jesus came here, he was dedicated here. The disciples came here. Miracles were performed, even in Jesus' name, right here on this mountain. Did you know that you can't quite see it in this view, but the Mount of Olives is just over here. Of course, that's where Jesus and the disciples, um, they went to worship and to pray all night after their Passover, where Jesus was betrayed and arrested, where he, um, he ascended into heaven here. And the Bible says that he's gonna return here. Does that make sense to anybody? Jesus is going to return to this earth right here on this mountain. He's going to reign and rule in a heavenly Jerusalem for a thousand years. He's not going to do it alone with you and I together with him from this holy hill right here. Yes, Eulis is important, but there's something about this mountain. There's something about this city that for thousands of years and for thousands of years in the future that is at the epicenter of the world right here. You may not see this in person, even if we do another Israel tour, which we're talking about doing next year in 2023. Save your money because after COVID, tourism prices are a, a, a $2,500 Israel tour is now $4,500. So hopefully you saved your refund money from the government last year if you want to go to Israel. But we're talking about doing another tour. If you never see this mountain in person in your lifetime, you will see it in the millennium. You will be here uh, someday with the Lord Jesus. So. God is restoring the land of Israel. A hundred years ago, there weren't more than just a couple of um, thousand Jews that lived here. At that time, it was um, what, what we refer to as the land of Palestine. Honestly, it, it was kind of like uh, Western Jordan. The Jordanian nation is just over yonder, and they're the ones that sort of, um, it was a Muslim nation. They're the ones that sort of kind of reigned and ruled and lived here. But God had a plan to fulfill ancient prophecies from 3,000 years ago that the Jewish people that had been scattered all over the world would miraculously return to this land. So Jewish people began to start to slowly move here. There was a couple of thousand Jews that were living and worshiping here. And then that number began to grow. And then of course, the, the horror of the Holocaust where six million Jews were murdered in Europe and um, after that of course is when hundreds of thousands of Jews began to come to the nation of Israel and God did this this miracle N no time in history has a land been restored 
after 2,000 years of not, the Romans destroyed the temple right here in 70 AD. The Jewish people spread because of Roman persecution and they spread all over the world. That's why we have Jews all over the world. But in the last 100 years and specifically since 1948, Jewish people, millions of Jewish people, more than six million Jews are now living in the nation of Israel. They have turned this desert land into a beautiful, thriving, uh, you know, land with with green hills and trees and farms and vibrant families that are, are that are taking back the land. It is a, a beautiful, wonderful thing to see God's ancient prophecies fulfilled right here in this land and right here in this people. I'm just so excited. So I've, I've got to wrap this thing up. I, I think I'm over time. Um, Matthew chapter 23. This is the, a little new nugget. Some of you that are old school people with me, you've been, you've been part of the church for many, many years. You're like, you know, dude, we've heard this message before. Never heard it with the old city of Jerusalem in the background. So that's kind of a nice flavor. But we've heard this message before. You haven't heard what I'm about to tell you. Because this is something that Josie's dad, Josie's dad is a world-renowned Bible teacher. And um, he says things sometimes like in passing that blow my mind. And we were driving in the car and he said this thing and he totally meant it to be like in passing, but he's one of those brilliant biblical minds that just says stuff that's like, wait, what? I gotta write that down. He was quoting Jesus from Matthew chapter 23. Add this to your homework. I'm not gonna read the whole thing for you, but I want you to read all of Matthew chapter 23. It's when Jesus was wrapping up his ministry on the earth and he was kind of giving one final Hail Mary, which sounds like a terrible analogy to use. But he was kind of giving one final plea, not just to the Jewish people, but to the religious Jewish people, to the rabbis, to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to the people that a week later were going to kill him. And he gives them seven woes, seven warnings. I don't have time to read them. That's why I want you to read them in your homework. But I'm going to read to you what Jesus said, one of the last things he said about this holy hill right here. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Jerusalem Jerusalem. Now I remind you, he's talking to the religious. He's talking to the rabbis. Okay. This is the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather your children together like a hen would protect her chicks beneath her wings, but you would not let me. So now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, this is important. This is what Josie's dad said that blew my mind. You will not see me again until you say, until who says? Until the religious Jews, till the rabbis say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So in context, Jesus was speaking to the religious, the Orthodox, the rabbis, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and saying, you're not gonna see me again until you, until the religious Jews are the ones that say, blessed is Jesus, the Messiah that comes in the name of the Lord. So I want you to join in prayer for the nation of Israel, for the protection, for the veil to be removed, and even for the religious Jews to see Jesus as Messiah. I want you to thank God that Jesus came to the Jewish people. I want you to thank God that, that he, he, he claimed this land as his own. The Bible says that this land and these people are the apple of his eye. Yes, Jesus loves you, but he loved this land and these people first. It's just so powerful and so important that, that God would say that a land and a people would be the apple of his eye. Would you stand up on your feet right now? I, I want to try to wrap this thing up and I hope we're okay on time. And I, I know this might be awkward because I'm 6,000 miles away. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, 
and that, that personal, intimate relationship that man had with God was broken, that God's like, all right, plan of salvation. And he picked Abraham, Abraham's son Isaac, his boy Jacob, his 12 kids that created this nation of Israel. Aren't you glad for the Jewish people? Aren't you glad that God picked a land, a city in the whole wide world to say, this is my special treasured possession. This is the apple of my eye. Aren't you glad that he allowed Jesus to come through the Jewish people to live a life that was holy so that on just the other side of this holy hill, he could allow his body to be sacrificed for you and I. Aren't you glad that he was murdered for you and I, but then he defeated sickness and sin and death and hell in the grave so that you and I could have that personal intimate relationship with God once again? Aren't you glad that when he returned to, to heaven, he, he sent his Holy Spirit so that we would never be alone, that, that we would always have his power and his presence near to us? Aren't you glad that, that Peter went to Caesarea and took that message to the Gentile world full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Aren't you glad that Paul, a religious Jew, took the gospel message about Jesus to the Gentile world until it reached you and I. I'm so grateful that God loved me so much that he uh, allowed this plan of salvation and that he would be willing to adopt us into his family, that he would be willing to graft us into his tree. It, it, it just moves my heart so much. I'd like the prayer team to come down to the front, take their place on the aisles. Church family, we're going to worship here in just a moment and the, the, the altars are going to be open. I think the, well, I think, I know, the devil hates God's plan of salvation. The devil doesn't want anybody to put their faith in Jesus. The devil doesn't want any of the promises for this land or these people to be fulfilled. The devil doesn't want any of the Jewish people to have that veil removed that they would see Jesus as Messiah. The devil doesn't want you to live a life that would make a Jew jealous, that their hearts would turn to, to God as Father because of the, the, the kind of life that we live as God honoring and, and, and loving so therefore, there's always this attack. We've seen it time and time again in history. We've seen it, uh, of course, through uh, the, the Holocaust. We, but, but, but there has been this demonic pressure and tension against Jewish people for thousands and thousands of years. Of course, that's why the Romans came and sacked this city in 70 AD and the Jews spread all over the world. So we need to say no. We need to put our foot down and say, you know what? I stand with God. I stand with his land. I stand with his people. I will pray for the salvation of Israel. I will, will continue to pray for their protection. I will continue to pray that their eyes would be open from the secular Jews that don't even believe that God is real, the secular Jews that live in Tel Aviv, that, that, that live like it's Sodom and Gomorrah, that, 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 that live, that, that think that God is a fairy tale. Yes, they're Jews, but they're only Jews because of their bloodline, that they do not believe that God is real. To the ultra-Orthodox that come and they worship and pray, here, you know, three, four, five times a day, they've memorized scripture um, to, to all of the Jewish people that God would reveal himself to them. That is our part. But right now, we need to do two things. We need to repent if we've allowed any anti-Semitism, any um, animosity towards the Jewish people, and or if you're here this morning, if you're watching online and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never had your own veil removed, if you've never said, he loved me so much from the Garden of Eden to all that God did here in Jerusalem, to the cross, to the empty tomb, to, to right here this morning, that he loved me so much, he, he wants to graft me in, he wants to adopt me into this family, I'm all in. Of course I wanna repent of my sin. Of course I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. So as the worship team leads us in worship, I want you to examine your heart. And here, I, I, this is more of your homework. 
I want you to say, Holy Spirit, is there anything in me that is anti-Jew, that is anti-Israel? And, and if so, Lord, I repent. And, and I, I want to love your people like you do. I want to support and pray for. I want to stand with like you do. And then I want you to begin to pray for the Jewish people. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I need you to run to one of our prayer team at the altar and say, I need to get right with Jesus. I need to ask God to forgive me of my sin. I need to put my faith in Jesus and really, I need to start that journey of a Christian life that would make a Jew jealous. So that's your homework is to get right with God today. Now, it might be the very first time you've ever gone down and prayed this kind of a prayer. It might be the first time in a long time. But when we, when we begin to sing here in a moment, I need you to get out of your seat and go down to the front on the left and right side and pray with one of our prayer team because we are believing that today is your day when you surrender your life to Jesus. And the rest of you, if you're here this morning and there's pain in your body, that's not God's will. If there's sickness in your body, that's not God's will. If there's anxiety or fear, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with depression or loneliness, or if there's any issue in your life that you need prayer, maybe, you know, like me, we've been crying out to God for my mother-in-law. Maybe there's a, a member of your family that needs prayer and you're not quite sure how to put those words together. The men and women at the front, they want to pray with you. They will stand with you. Maybe it's a financial thing, a work thing, a family thing. I don't know, but God does and the men and women on our prayer team want to pray for you but as much as we want to pray for you the most important prayer you're going to pray today is to get right with the Lord Jesus church family I want to thank you for extending the grace to to Josie and I for, for extending our trip and and staying here um, I've actually got to wrap this video up upload it to you and then I'm going to go back to the hospital and and relieve Josie's dad it's been a really hard week for us it's been an emotional week for us um, Please continue to pray for Josie and I and the family. Uh, yes, thank God Harriet is doing better and hopefully she'll be home in the next day or two. Um, but maybe even as you go into worship now, pray for Josie's mom. If you've got nothing else to pray for, pray for healing for Josie's mom. I love you. I will see you next Sunday. Right now is your time to do business in worship and in prayer. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.